Welcome to Activate Your Life, Awakening Your Soul's Expression, the podcast that delves deep into the realms of everything, and I mean everything, that will activate your life, including astrology, human design, conscious parenting, homesteading, self-sufficiency, inner work, and so much more. I am your host, Erin Esser, and I am so honored to be your guide on this magical journey of self-discovery where we challenge the status quo of the old world because we know we are being birthed into a new one. What does freedom mean to you? In this world, where words are being used as weapons to divide, freedom can feel elusive and even a bit divisive. I invite you to imagine a world where every home and business grew beautiful and edible landscapes. A world where people were encouraged to come together to support one another with their own individual gifts and talents to make our families and communities a place where we all thrive. A place where the values of love, freedom, self-reliance, and last but not least, fun are embodied. This and more is what my Freedom Farm Academy is at Mariposa Farms in South Carolina. Partnered with the amazing folks at Food Forest Abundance, we are creating these transformative freedom farms all around the world to be a light in the dark and uncertain world that we live in. To be a reminder and to inspire you that we all thrive when we remember who we are. To learn more about Mariposa Farms, South Carolina, you will find a link in the show notes. Now on to the show. Welcome to another episode of Activate Your Life. And today we have Erasmus and Joel from Here for the Truth podcast on. And I'm super excited to have these guys on. I've been listening to them now for a little while and um, they just have such great content. And they're just really like their podcast says, Here for the Truth. And, you know, with Activate Your Life, that's what we're talking about as well, too. Everything that activates our lives. So I thought they would be a great. Um, addition to the podcast and a great conversation so welcome you guys thank you so much for having us yeah yeah absolutely so so tell me a little bit about um you know for people maybe who haven't listened to hear for the truth or like know a little bit about your story why are you here not necessarily here on activate your life but like what has brought you to this part of your journey um where you have a podcast right here for the truth what does that mean for you Joel, you want to start off or no? I was going to hand it over to you, brother. All right. Well, what does it mean? Well, first of all, let's just give a little bit of background. I know you're a, a fan of uh, Michael Desarian and David Whitehead. Um, my wife and I were interviewed on Unslaved in March and May of 2020. Um, we did a couple episodes with them talking about awakening somatic intelligence. And Joel happened to be on, uh, listening, I guess, end of 2020, early 2021. And um, he reached out to me on Instagram DMs and he was like, hey, I listened to your episode. It had an impact on me. And we continued to dialogue uh, in chats. And I saw what Joel was up to in, in Australia. He was really involved in the Sydney Freedom Community. He was a conscious hip hop artist. He was really, you know, an advocate of freedom and self-knowledge, having gone through Michael's mystery school. So he was doing divination readings. And so we, we just started kind of connecting as friends would. For a couple of weeks, we got on Zoom just to meet. And then the following week, I believe, we jumped on Zoom again. We pressed record and we just started talking. We started talking about what it means to walk an authentic path. And that was episode one of Here for the Truth. We both realized, well, we realized we had similar values. Um, and, and we each separately had wanted to start a podcast. And we talked about that in our messaging. And then we just did it. We began and uh, we're both truth seekers. We both um, love that process, not just in an external level of, oh, what's happening in the world, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but really, you know, knowing ourselves uh, on the deepest levels. And, and it's something we both really care about. I love that. Thank you for for sharing that. I love how organic uh, it, it seems like it was for you. You just hit record and you're like, our first episode <laughs> we're done yeah, and then we did it again we pressed record again and we continued our conversation from the first one and I then joel that. was like maybe we should have maybe we should have guests 
I mean, straight, straight, straight off the bat, like typical generators, like this is good. This feels good. This is exciting. Let's keep, let's keep doing it. You know, yeah. and that's basically been the process since we've met. It's just fueling each other through what lights yeah. us up. And, and I also, I also have had like this deep connection to Australia um, because I studied abroad there in my final year of uh, college. I spent four months in Sydney and it was probably three or four of the best months of my life. Wow. And I, I really like loved the Australian people that I met. Uh, I went back in 2010. So meeting Joel, like a brother, a fellow first generation human being, you know, his parents are immigrants and, and, and went to Australia. My parents are from Greece. Like we had that in common. There was just a lot of similarities. And so it really felt like a brother. Uh, yeah. And then so to have a brother, to be able to like sit down on a computer uh, and do work together and have great conversations and inspire one another, and learn from one another. That was really cool. And uh, for those that don't really, um, I guess, follow us on Instagram, like we worked together for two years online without even having met. And so we met for the mm -hmm. first time this past April. Um, Joel had, he could tell a little about it, but he had moved to Australia, I'm sorry, to Mexico. So my wife and I went down there and we met for the first time in April and it was pretty awesome. How was that? The first time, I mean, after like, you know, it, I'm yeah. sure you probably already felt like you already knew each other on some level, but yet in physical form, it, right? It's so different. So, it so was surreal. It was surreal. Yeah. If anyone's interested, they can go to our website here for the truth.com. There's a video, we've got a videographer to record the moment that we met and stuff like that. But I was just like, very, very, very rare experience to be so connected to someone, you know, work with someone, sit down three, four hours a day, then, you know, experience their energy like in the flesh like two hours later it's it's hard it's hard hard to hard to describe but like we just for the whole first two three days we just look at each other and just laugh you know <laughs> it's like i can't believe you're here like i'd like grab his shoulder and just be like like what the fuck like yeah. this is crazy like like you're real. so weird just someone in a square for you yeah. that's it just in a square whatever shows up in the square is what i'm seeing and right. then to be there with him and obviously meet his lovely wife and beautiful children. Um, it was really sweet. And then he came a, a few months later and he stayed with us in Topanga, California, him and his family for two weeks. So we had more time to hang out together. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I think that's great because sometimes I know we can establish an online type of relationship, right? But it's so different than in person. Like the energy is a little, sometimes can feel a little off in person. I've had that experience before, mm -hmm. or maybe just not as, you know, it's like a different type of relationship online sometimes versus in person. So I love the fact that you guys were just, it, it like transcended all of that and just was like a soul connection. Yeah, it was cool. That's we, really we cool. Keep, we keep it real, you know, like our, our workflow, you know, a lot of, I think what really helps us to like be consistent and be successful is just always coming back to equilibrium within ourselves, like whatever whatever debris is there, whatever needs to be spoken about, like we're just fully accepting of whatever, whatever parts of each other are present in whatever moment, you know? And uh, yeah. so I think that well, really you helps. Mentioned, you mentioned here for the truth, right? Your SMS, you said not just the external truth, but like, you know, the parts like within ourselves as well too, the self-knowledge, right? Knowing who we are. Mm. And I just read a quote earlier that, that, and it brought me back because I've, I've read it before, but it just reminded me of this as, that um what was it that evil or the root of evil is the lack of self-knowledge it's that the self you know the arrogance of like you know of that and um and i thought that's a really interesting way to look at you know because we we hear you know money is a root of evil or all these different things but it's really the lack of self-knowledge self-awareness well, yeah, and there's another great quote by Aristotle, I believe it, that's who it's from. It's uh, self-knowledge is the foundation of all wisdom. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, something you hear me say often, like, it doesn't matter if you know what's happening in the world, um, you know, and like what all these different agendas are at play. If you don't understand, like, the ultimate truth of who you are, why you're here, what are your gifts? Are you healthy? Do you have healthy relationships? Can you communicate? Um, you know, these types of things um, are just super important. And I think that's where the at attention needs to be laid more so. Yeah. Well, it's as within, so without, right? So if it's, it's, a, it's a relationship between the external and the internal, it's not just one or the other, mm -hmm. right? And I think that for so many people, it probably starts in the external, right? They see the, like, oh my gosh, like there's something that's not right, right? But to keep on that space versus going, well, wait a second what's going on within me that I might be contributing, right, to some of the distortion, whether it's in my immediate environment 
Um, you know, and that brings me into even emotional awareness, right? Because self-awareness is really like we have to know who we are in order to have emotional awareness, emotional knowledge, emotional maturity. And from a human design perspective, right? Like the emotional energy, we're all emotionally defined, right? And that creates the biggest distortion on our planet is emotional distortion. And so we are living in this world that has, you know, chaotic emotional energy, emotional distortion, it's really a clue for me to back that up and go, oh, it's because people don't know who they are. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, if people don't know themselves, especially like the 50% emotion or whatever, 51% emotionals, um, you know, then you have all the other non-emotionals that are amplifying that. So if they don't know themselves, I mean, it's like this like wild chaotic soup of just um, emotional immaturity and chaos and uh, dysfunction. And so, you know, yeah. that, Listen, there's always going to be the interplay between the external and, and the internal. Of course, that's just how we how we operate. Um, but, you know. Yeah. And I mean, there's even like an ancient Vedic scripture, which says that self-realization is necessary before God realization. And to me, like you mentioned, the great hermetic axiom as within, so without, like your primary relationship is with yourself. And so if you're lacking a connection to self, if you're lacking love and understanding of self, how can you possibly have connection or love for anything external to you? How can you really nurture a relationship outside of yourself if you can't even nurture the one within? Mm. So when you say that, you know, I guess I'm not sure of the exact quote, but lack of self-knowledge is the root of all evil. Like I completely agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we can't really be of the highest service if we're really, you know, if, if we can't really show up in that space, you know, for ourselves. And yeah. I think you recently, Joel had posted something about selfishness. That, mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, and I've always been one too that have said, you know, we have to be selfish in order to be selfless. Also, it's not just selfless, it's selfish in order to, and I think that it's like this whole dynamic between just like what you were saying, we can't really truly love another or show up really true in true authenticity for another. If we can't show up for ourselves as well, you, you have to time, you have right? to fill your own cup first. You know, the the people who are of of most service and you know and help others the most, those who give from the overflow. If if you're giving from the the base of a cup, along with that comes deep resentment and toxicity and guilt, and you know we develop these really unhealthy relationships as a result from everyone being scarce, thinking I've got to put everyone else before myself got to love my neighbor first, got to be my brother's keeper, you know, got to do it for the family or for the greater good. It's a common one these days, you know, but no one's really first off filled their own cup and nurtured that relationship with themselves. And so I don't want to receive anything from someone who really hasn't given to themselves first. Like there's stuff that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's attachments there that are not yeah. healthy when those things happen. So. Yeah, but that's, and that's a lived experience for all of us, you know, yeah. but many people aren't really aware of that, you know, because we've been so conditioned and programmed, um, you know, to, to receive based on how needy we are as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, our, our, our ability and our, our gifts and of the value that we actually do provide. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that goes back to inner child stuff, right? I mean, those needs yeah. that aren't being met, you know, within ourselves and, you know, and if this is the work I've done for a long time, um, you know, in my own coaching, um, um, world and, and I'm curious, like for you guys, like how, for you guys, what has been the tools for you that have allowed you to come into your own truth and self-knowledge? Um, well, I guess I started my my journey, my real kind of personal development journey, I would say early to mid 20s. Uh, obviously, after college, I backpacked Europe for a few months and I read books. So I really started reading more for my like something I wanted as opposed to, oh, I'm in school. I got to read these books because I took a class, et cetera. Uh, so I think that started it for me. That really started a, a deeper introspection process. But in a previous incarnation, I was an actor and I trained as an actor for uh, many years. And my first uh, teacher, I was really, my, my first mentor, I was really blessed to, to find him. He was really inspired by the works of Drs. Hal and Sidra Stone. Uh, they're two psychologists uh, from Northern California. Hal recently passed away in 2020 at 93 years old. Wow. But um, he was a Jungian analyst. Uh, she was a behaviorist. Uh, anyways, they came together. Uh, and they developed a body of work called Voice Dialogue, uh, The Psychology of the Selves and the Aware Ego. And it was all about 
I mean, it's a different form of parts work. Obviously, I know Richard Swartz talks about parts work and I think IFS, but they did something different. And it was all about dialoguing with the different parts of you. So my acting teacher was influenced by the work because as an actor, you know, you come to it with certain blocks and inhibitions, et cetera. But how can you embrace more of who you are? One, so you can empathize with characters more and, you know, you can tell stories from a more nuanced place. But on the other side of it, how does that impact you as a human being? So for me, to really separate from these primary parts of me that were kind of running the car, that were driving my behavior and realize there's so much more to me. Like, for instance, I was raised to be a, you know, a people pleaser in a sense. I grew up with a Greek mom, you know, it's all about taking care of other people and, and, you know, being attentive to other people's needs. And so when I brought a little bit more balance to that, through that process, through having all these different, to understanding the kind of architecture of the human psyche and how that related to me, that had a huge impact on me. I was able to kind of see others and see myself through this, through these lenses uh, to understand that, like the great Walt Whitman quote, we contain multitudes. So there is that universe within. And, you know, through this creative process and through this introspective process, I was able to meet more of me, you know, even like the darker parts of me, you know, the parts of me that like most people want to keep hidden in the basement. You know, we all have the capacity to to do evil acts, to be manipulative, to to say horrible things, to to be hurtful, to lie, to cheat, all this stuff. You know, and so it's like the people that I think that are more in touch with those parts of them are the ones that one have more compassion two won't be won't fall under other people's spells because they understand that within themselves uh, and can and can behave and move from a more conscious place. So that was my initial foray that laid the foundation for a lot of work to come after, which I can you know, I can get into. But, you know, if Joel wants to share a bit of his story, he can. Yeah, parts work is definitely huge. And again, um, I was introduced to that through Grasimos in terms of my own personal journey like I think I feel like I've always just carried this thing where it's like I'm here for a reason like I don't I don't I don't want to give up this innermost dream I don't want to give up this intuitive sense or knowing that there's something bigger available to me or there's something really purposeful and meaningful available to for for for, for my life um and you know, I've, I've always been someone that's kind of, I guess, moved, moved against the flow. Like, you know, initially I wanted to be a hip hop artist. Um, when my whole life I was told I was going to just work in a family business my whole life. And just this creative impulse is the driving force in my life. It's like, and before I knew that I was a generator, it's like, oh no, I want to do what feels good to me. I want to do the things that excite me. I want to pour my energy into the things that energize me in return. And I think just sticking to that on some fundamental level to get to where I am has allowed me to break through and like and, and, and see a broader horizon. But in terms of singular teachers or, you know, teaching that I received the most value from and really, I guess, crystallized this knowing, it's, it's Ayn Rand for me. Um, Ayn Rand and in particular Atlas Shrugged. Like that really fortified for me this connection and love and value for self and for my own life and for my own potential. Um, yeah. Wow, I love yeah. that. Um, it makes me think about uh, the Freedom Farm Academy that I'm building on my property. I'm working with Food Forest Abundance. Uh, hmm. His name is Jim Gale and his property down in, he started it, he's the CEO and his property is actually Galt Landing um, hmm. after John Galt. So- um, That's called what, sorry? Galt's yeah, Landing. it's called Galt Landing oh, after gotcha, John gotcha. Galt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, awesome. it's an amazing book that I think Joel and yeah. I recommend to everyone. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I, at least for myself, you know, I, I started uh, really like diving into, it was kind of an accident, actually, we had moved. Um, I was, I was always, um, which I think a lot of people do this, right? Like, for a long time, I was like, okay, it's, uh, I went through religion, like I went through deep Christianity, and then I went through Judaism. I was working with a rabbi over in Jerusalem and um, wow. moved to, well, we were going to move to uh, either Denver or Houston because they have a big Jewish population there, like Orthodox Jew. And I think as a 6'2", it's like in human design, I'm like, I can't just do it halfway. I got to go in the deep end. So I've been on like the deep sides of all this stuff, Pol politics. Oh, there's the answer in politics, right? So I got to dive into you know, I did canvassing for the Democratic National Party. I met like 
um, Bill Clinton actually back in like the 90s wow. and Hillary and Chelsea. And then like, it was more like Glenn Beck then after that, because I had to go to like the extremes, you know, of all these different sides. Same thing with religion, you know, it was deep into Christianity. And it wasn't just a fluffy Christian church. It was like deep, like, you know, just like very charismatic and very, you know, um, type of church. And I had to work there. And then I was left there and I thought, all right, because it's like, well, I'm wanting the truth. And I remember sitting at my kitchen counter one day and I said, I want the truth no matter where it takes me, you know? And, mm -hmm. and that was like the most liberating and dangerous statement I think I've ever made in my life <laughs> because it was then that I was able to leave all the shit that I thought I was going to find the answer in, especially I have a completely open Ajna as well too. I was trying to find certainty in everything that I was, you know, looking into. Gotcha. And yeah. And so I was able to leave all of that finally after the, you know, and come back to around two, 2015, come back to myself in this way that after having gone through all these experiences, um, so that now it's like, oh, I'm grounded in this, in this place of who I am and what I believe. Um, and knowing that that can shift at any time and it can shift based on evidence, right? New evidence, new, you know, experiences, you know, big one um, for me. But um, I think that so often, you know, at least a trap for myself was just getting caught up in like the, 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 the certainty or wanting to feel certain, wanting to feel safe, wanting to feel secure, right? And this work will, if we really do it, and if we really dive in, it will take us out of all of that stuff, you know, out of the, because, yeah. Like you were talking about doing parts work, right? Like when we start to recognize different parts of ourselves, that shatters the illusion of who we thought we were. Yeah, I, I agree 100% uh, with that. And, you know, you need to have the psycho-emotional fortitude and the uh, openness and, and also like an active mind to really grapple with ideas and to allow yourself to be challenged with things that, you know, a week prior you thought was the end all be all was the truth. And then you come across new information and you're like, Oh fuck. And I think like the truth seeker um, is someone who's uh, ultimately able to create a little space within themselves to take in new information and new ideas. And like you said, it's not this linear process, yep. you know, like the truth seeking process is, is you have to be willing to embrace a bit of chaos um, and, and confusion and not certainty. You know, and like, this is something that I learned even for me, because I have, a, I don't, ha I have an undefined ajna, I don't have an open ajna, but, you know, thinking of all those times where it's like, you learn something new and you just want to let everyone know, no, this is it. This yeah. is the thing. <laughs> and even now, after many years of doing a certain type of work or exploring, even if deep down in my core, I'm like, yo, this is the, this is the truth. I may share my, my views from a certain place and go, Hey, listen, I'm always open to taking in new information. And if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. And so that's a different way of delivering something than like, no, this is it. Everyone else is controlled opposition. Everyone else is a liar. Like it doesn't really allow for another individual to even be open to what you have to say very often. Well, and that yeah. just, I think is a response from like a fractured psyche in a sense too. Don't you feel like when we're so like, like, no, and we have well, to have that certainty. And we well, it, it's a part, a self, a subpersonality, whatever you want, it takes over. Yeah. And there's no awareness of the what, what gifts lie on the other side. And so it's like, you know, being able to stand between the tension of opposites brings you a whole mm. new perspective. Absolutely. You know, so it's like, I may feel strongly about something, but then there's that part of me that's like, well, maybe you're not right. You know, may, maybe, maybe you are wrong. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's why um, people get so triggered and attack others and judge others where their belief systems are challenged is because they don't have the ability to tap into the vulnerability of, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. You know, what if they're right and I'm wrong? You know, and so you can't hold that space. And so it's immediately you're in like a power play, you know, and you're judging because that vulnerability is triggered in like a, a split second. You're not even aware that there's like something triggered, like a like a, that vulnerability of like, what if I'm wrong? You know, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. that's not even there's no awareness of that for many people, you know, and I say that, mm -hmm. I mean, there's times I do it, yeah. you know, and I got to check myself afterwards. Yo, what's underneath? Absolutely. Why did something trigger me so deeply that I had to like, you know, come at someone? Mm -hmm. No, I hear you. I think a lot of that too is because I think about that, like when I am in that space, I'm like, what, what is going on within me <clears throat> that I'm afraid of that I'm not able to 
see this or be vulnerable. Right. And, and, you know, it's, I think so often it's, it's that inner child. It's that part of ourselves, you know, and it's different ages, right? There's so many different parts mm -hmm. of like our inner child. Like I would say inner children, it's not really inner child. It's like inner children, you know, like there's yep. so many different ages of myself that I've had to go back to and reclaim and integrate and, and love on. And, you know, but it's like that inner critic voice that comes from that space that we can't, that judgment, right. Towards another opinion, another belief system, right. That is, that we're deeming is wrong because we're right really comes from that. I feel anyway, I mean, there's probably more to it than, than what I'm saying, but I feel like part of it is the, that our own inner child aspect of like, Oh, it's that inner critic. We can't see because we're so criticizing ourselves, right. Mm -hmm. That we have to be right because at some point in our life, if we were wrong, maybe we got in trouble or we got ridiculed or we got whatever shamed or belittled something like that. And so all of that comes back. And it's like, every time this happens, I always tell people and my clients, I'm like, every time you're freaking triggered, it is like the biggest portal for your own healing and, and transformation. And you can just like, and you have these ahas, I'm just getting chills even talking about it. It's like these, you know, these, these moments where you're like, Oh shit. Like, that's yeah. why I do that. Like, okay. And then we can have that moment within ourselves and learn how to bring in more compassion. Hey there. I just wanted to pause for a moment and ask you a few quick questions. Do you ever feel guilty for getting triggered and emotionally reacting, saying or doing something only to later regret it? Is your inner critic the loudest voice in the room sometimes? Maybe there's a part of your life, such as a job or your relationships, that you feel like you're settling for? Do you struggle with confidence and or competence within yourself? And do you just wish that you could trust yourself in any decision that you make? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to join my amazing 12-week foundational course, Activate Your Life, which really is the foundation that is essential to your inner growth. This course gives you the tools so that you can take your power back. You learn how to make decisions for you and get to the root of who you are so that you can show up for yourself in all the ways that you desire, but perhaps right now feel that you cannot. This is not a fluffy spirituality, new age type course where you will feel good and have your ears tickled. You will leave this course with a sense of confidence in who you are like you've never experienced before. And this is a course that allows you to finally come home to yourself using tools like reflection work, shadow, inner child and archetypal work. You will also learn EFT and kinesiology, human design and astrology. It is jam packed full of all the tools that you need. And these are the tools that I've used for years and always come back to as they are the foundation that you build your life upon. Find the info in the show notes to join the course. Back to the show. You know, and replace that critic with, you know, a sense of compassion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and I think it comes in, into play in relationship, especially like because, you know, your partner is you're going to trigger each other, etc. And so, you know, how much time is there between like when the trigger happens and when the repair happens, I think says a lot. And so if each party can come back and like take responsibility for like their action or what they did, oh, I've disrespected you. I'm sorry. I was trying to control you. I hurt your feelings, whatever that may be you know, that brings a new level of understanding, a new level of connection. Now, it's not always easy, you know, but that's the work. It really is the work in partnership is like understanding that your triggers, your judgments are where the gold lies. Yep. If you're willing to look, if you're willing to dig, and if you're willing to take responsibility. Yeah. Relationship really is the greatest teacher. Like, even just from personal experience, all my biggest lessons and breakthroughs and, you know, dark nights of the soul came through the mirror of relationship um for sure and i love i love what you said before i know we spoke about this you know briefly offline but we're kind of like human design twins just on opposite sides of the spectrum i've got a completely open ajana as well throwing <laughs> throwing the life theme of uncertainty on top of that you know mm -hmm. and also like what you mentioned about the, the, the extremities like i know you and i both have many 29th degree placements mm -hmm. you know so it's like, like the pendulum is full <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely that's really that is really funny when you were mentioning that like you're like uh we have some similarities i'm like oh my gosh this is wild you know <laughs> yeah yeah totally so, um but yeah it's um 
it, you know, relationship is key. And I, I did a course last year um, on parenting because I'm a conscious parenting coach as well. And, um, and it was, you know, bridging the gap between the conscious parenting, you know, with human design. And, and I, and that's one of the things I do with parents and they always get surprised. I should say always, but oftentimes they get surprised because they want to learn how to be the best parent, right? They want to, but, but it's, it's like, they're always kind of coming into it. Like, how can I raise the best kids? How can I get my kids to behave all these things? And the first half of the class is like, all right, let's dive into you, you know? (laughs) And they know that before coming in. I mean, I'm clear with them, you know, and transparent, but it takes a lot of courage. Right. And that's the biggest thing too, with parenting. That's been one of the, and I don't know if you both can, um, do you have kids too, your Eskimos? I do not know. Okay. Um, he has 12 chickens and a dog. Ah, I got, I got 11 chickens. We had to take out the rooster. He was that's a right. That's right. I had to take out a few roosters myself. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tasted good, though. I made a nice cup of wine. You know, oh, nice. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, with parenting, like one of the things that I learned is is I, I wanted to parent differently, right, than what I was parented with. And so I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning of my parenting journey at all. But like in my own self you know, growth, process I knew I wanted it to be different but and that's so many parents I think out there or even partners right when they see their parents it's, it doesn't matter what a relationship is just any relationship any close relationship one-on-one type thing is going to bring up these wounds and um you know and it's just it's been such a powerful journey having watching people and I'm sure you guys have the same experience watching people go oh my gosh oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I was responding to my child or to my partner in this way because of my own shit that I had to clear out, you know, within me or I had to come to terms with, you know, and, um, and that's powerful. I mean, that is powerful when those things happen because that's when everything can shift everything. Mm -hmm. Charity starts at home. You know, you gotta, you gotta do your work. You gotta, you know, give to yourself. Uh, and I like that you said that even about the human design and conscious parenting, like, oh, my kid, I need to do this with my kid or my kid's having this issue. And it's like, well, let's focus on you. You know, same thing with nervous system work. It's like, oh, yeah. my kids are out of whack and they're doing this or they're ADD or and then it's like, well, how's your nervous system? <laughs> yeah, Aaron? my my oldest daughter's a reflector, Aaron, so it's on steroids. <laughs> oh, my word. How old are your kids, Joel? Uh, five and two. Okay. Okay. Yep. So you're in the thick of it. I mean, in, I'm in, in the thick of it. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, like deep in a learning process at the moment, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think too with human design, at least for myself, when there's another type, right? Like, you know, manifesting generators, so I can relate to generators, right? Because we're mm-hmm. sacral beings. Um, but a reflector, and sometimes even a projector, is like. I, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be a reflector. I don't know what yeah. it's like to be a projector, right? We all have projected channels, but to actually be a non-sacral being as a sacral being, and then as a reflector to be completely, <laughs> you know, the process of that um, has got to be quite wild. You know, a few years back, I remember saying to myself, I'm like, I really want to get to know a reflector. And then I had like four um, join a class of mine. Wow. And, and, it was, and I had like 27 students in the class and like four of them. I'm like, this is not 1% of this population here. And this is way more, but it was quite a experience. And every time they would say something to me, um, I would listen. Cause I'm like, oh, okay. They're here to like reflect back, like what might need to be shifted or changed or whatever. But I could catch myself at times, like getting irritated, like the first few times. Cause I thought, Okay, like it was just my own ego, right? My own one in like, uh, like, oh, I got this. You don't, you know, but it was like, no, I'm going to listen to them because they're here to reflect back some things that I could learn something from this, you know? So it'd be interesting to have that energy as a child. Um, how, I mean, my, how my, is that? And my you? wife's a manifester and my other daughter's a MG. So there's a, we're all, we're all. We're all unique within the household. Yeah. Well, except for projector, I guess. But yeah, you just have to have one more child and have a projector, you know? <laughs> You never know what happens. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's an interesting ride. And again, like, my, like it, the relationships within my family, like, you know, that again is what I bring out into the world. Like that's that's where I'm learning my lessons. That's where I'm alchemizing all the knowledge. That's where I'm fortifying who I am as a man. It's like how I show up in that arena 
is the microism of everything that I do external to me. Like if there's, if, if that's out of order, if that's overly chaotic, if that's dysregulated, then, you know, there's no point addressing the, 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 the external because that's going to be out of order as well. And that's kind of what I've realized through being a father and, you know, through being in relationship, it's, you know, that's the foundation. That's what needs to be nurtured um, for anything else outside of me to flourish and for, and it impacts how I show up in the world in every single way. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you're a six, two also too, Rachel. Yep. Six, two emotional G. Right. So, I mean, the thing is, is I think with the six twos, it's just like, it has to be an integrity and we have to experience it to do it. Like I can't teach on anything that I don't do myself. Mm -hmm. I just can't, you know? And I mean, I'm sure like, I mean, I'm sure there's other, you know, profiles too that feel the same way, but I think it's even deeper for that six two, you know, it's like, we need those experiences in order to, um, to teach from, you know, and that's like our platform <laughs> in a way, like, Oh, I have experience in this and until I have another experience, this is my truth for now. Yeah. And you know, and then if I have another experience that I get to experience another perspective of that truth, then awesome. I'll share that yeah. as well too. I'll, you know? I'll become qualified once I've lived it properly. Absolutely. That's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. yeah. That's spot on. So, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to touch on, you know, because we brought it up a little bit already in the conversation is human design and the fact that, you know, we all have been into human design for a little while. Like, you know, I know you're at most like you like a long time, you know, you've been in it probably the longest out of the three of us. Um, but I, um, I feel that um, the we're, we're all emotionally defined and I would like to like hear, like I have my own story around being emotionally defined. I thought that something was literally inherently wrong with me when I was younger, like growing up, like I literally thought something was wrong to the core. I was like, I'm, you know, just really quick, like, and, and then I want to hear both of your guys' experience with this. Um, um, uh, that was part of the, probably my biggest, when I had my first reading in 2017, that was the biggest aha for me and the biggest like weight off of my shoulders was like, Oh God, okay. There's nothing wrong with me, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, because I would go to the highs, high, high, high. And it would be like, you know, that Katrina and the waves, like walking on sunshine, that song, I would be like, Oh yeah, nothing can go wrong, you know? And like, and then I would go low, like the lowest of the low that I'm like, and then I would always be looking outside of myself to go, what is making me in a bad mood? Right. So then I would, you know, it was just anything in my environment. And, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I remember times like even knowing my, knowing enough to go, what is going on here? Like, this does not, this does not feel good. This is not like, but like, and I, and I also knew too, when I was in college, I remember um, thinking to myself, if I went to a doctor right now, they'd put me on medicine and they would label me as, you know, bipolar. (laughs) I mean, just being frank, I mean, that's just what they would like manic depressive, you know, and, but I never did. There was something within me that I was like, no, like there's something more to this. I just didn't know what it was. Um, and so after my first reading, I, I, I worked, um, with my wave, I journaled about it. I, I mean, every day I was like, okay, where am I at? And a lot of times, so I have the full 3955 channel mm. and I often then would judge based on what I was in the mood for, as far as like music goes, or even um, television, or, you know, like, if I want to watch a movie or, or any kind of topic or anything like that, I'm like, okay, where's my wave? That's when I knew where my wave was. Um, Because I'm like, okay, if I want super, you know, whatever, music, you know, just I could tell. And so, um, and I found some really interesting, you know, correlations within myself and my wave. um, And that brought in a lot of awareness. But I feel that to be emotionally defined in this world and to not have awareness around that, I find that so many people think that there's literally something like wrong with them. And there's a lot of repression of emotions or, you know, complete the other, other side of the spectrum. So I would love to hear your guys' story or your experience, um, you know, in that for yourselves. And if it was, you know, kind of profound or not. Uh, it was definitely profound on my end. Um, now I don't have the 3955, which I think is a little bit more of a variation, uh, with emotional states. I have the 596 channel. Joel actually has the 596 as well. The, yeah, we're both 596ers. 
And um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think I got, I've, got, I I've got half of the fifty-five thirty-nine. I remember yeah. you saying that before. Yeah, yeah. I, I have like five other um, gates in my emotional center. I think um, you're pretty defined there, then. Yeah, and I yeah I think once I learned about it, it was just beginning that process of acceptance. And so when I was on a lower part of the wave, like even just the phrase oh, "I'm on a wave." Like even just saying that to myself, as opposed to like, no, the world's going to hell and I need to change everything <laughs> in my life. Yeah. And like, it was like, I'm just feeling a little blue and this will, this shall pass, you mm -hmm. know? Now it's not always as easy. Like sometimes you're in it and you're like, what the fuck? But I trust it. But I think the biggest story I like sharing about understanding uh, emotional waves and not making decisions when you haven't given yourself time to get to some place of emotional clarity yeah. is the fact that my wife, she's also uh, emotionally defined. She's a three, five projector. And, um, we started dating. Uh, we've been together nine years, been married, um, over four years. And in the first year of our relationship, she tried to break up with me three times. <laughs> now it was because she had a very strict, she was like, I want to get married. I want to be someone who experiences marriage. Mm -hmm. And I was very, I don't know, we have to get married? Do we not? Like, we're cool. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. And so we had gone to some relationship workshop, I think. And then we came back and, you know, we were both like, we got into a heavy conversation and she was emotional and uh, I was emotional. Uh, there's more to the story I won't get into, but um, I pretty much was like, listen, we don't need to, she tried breaking up with me that night. I was like, listen, we don't need to make, and she knew human design at that point. We're like, we don't really need to make any drastic decisions right now. We're both emotionally defined. And so like, let's go to bed, you know? And so, you know, she woke up the next morning and was like, thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> and so I think that's something that's a lesson to a lot of people. Now that doesn't mean like ultimately like that initial instinct wouldn't have ended up being the right one. You know, it's just that for a lot of people, you don't know, you don't have the knowing and the truth yeah. and the now, and this is 50% of the population. And I even, I'm curious to ask your thoughts on this, but we'll get to that is that, um, you know, just give yourself time. Even if you have like, I'm, I'm a sacral, so I have responses to things. I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. And I go, well, let me just chill. Like, let me wait. Like, I might want to do something and be like, this is right for me. But I understand as an emotional being that I need to give myself time, whether it's a few hours, whether it's a day, whether it's two days. And so that's really served me. I think it's just served me to really, um, and even in partnership, because she's like on a wave or I'm a wave, like her wave might trigger my wave or my wave might trigger her wave. And so we have this language to communicate to each other. We just understand that we're on a wave. So it's like, just do your thing. I do my thing. We'll come back. And it's just a greater awareness. Um, mm -hmm. But the other question I wanted to ask you is that as an emotional, of course, we maybe we don't have the truth in the now. You know, we need to give ourselves some times. And for someone who's a pure sacral, they may have that. But if a sacral is around emotionals and they're being influenced by their wave, then oh no, a, a, a non emotional being also in some cases doesn't have the truth in the now. And that's something I've kind of thought about and I've brought up and I share with people because it's not so black and white. It's funny you say that because um, I was just literally thinking this before you even asked the question, because most relationships, if not all relationships are emotionally defined because we have one, right? We have you, you mm -hmm. have, you know, you have your Eskimos, you have Joel, you have myself, right? Like, Together, say we were, say none of us were emotional or one of us, right? We did a chart together. Well, our, our, like, you know, togetherness positive, would positive. be, yeah, would be emotional because generally, because one of those gates is going to connect, right? You're going to have a connection. You're going to have electromagnetic, you know, charge um, or connection, you know, with that person. So, yeah, I mean, and it's something I feel like in relationship to know so that the person that's not emotional realizes that. Well, when you're in the an entity of this relationship, you're emotional. <laughs> the, whole, the relationship is emotional. Yeah, and I don't think that's talked about enough. And it's something that I actually tell my clients when I give readings. Like even if they're like a sacral being or non-emotional, uh, or let's just say sacral um, authority, that I go, if you're around people, like go be in your own aura, go go for a walk, do like then see what you feel in your sacral about something because you could totally be being influenced by you know, and conditioned by the, the emotional waves that you're spending your time around, whether it's family, whether it's a group of friends, whether you're out at a concert, whatever the case may be. So 
you know, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than just saying, yes, you have truth in the now and whatever you feel in the now or whatever you feel like, you know, mm-hmm. coming from within is the truth. And it's like, it's, you have, again, self-knowledge, you have to know yourself. You have to have this education. You have to have this knowledge. You have to play with it. You have to dance with it and see what, what ultimately aligns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's a really good point. And it's, it is interesting. I was like literally thinking about that when, before you even asked the question. So yeah, it's something that, I mean, and the greatest awareness that I had is, is my, so, um, my ex-husband takes my kids. I have a 18, 17 and 14 year old every summer back to South Dakota, um, where we're originally from, um, mm-hmm. and, um, to see his parents and whatnot and grandparents and everything. And they're gone usually for 12 days or so close to two weeks. The best times literally is when I'm just by myself and I'm just in my two line. I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm just a hermit. And I'm like, oh, I know more of who I am because I'm not around anyone. You know, there's nobody, my animals, but I mean, you know, I think it's different when we are literally like for more than just a couple hours or a day or two days, even when we're just by ourselves. And I think that is so that when, like what you're saying, Rasmus, is like, then when we're around someone where like my son has a defined Ajna, right? I don't completely open, right? Completely undefined. I can go now when I'm around him, I'm like, oh, those aren't my thoughts. Like, and I know that because I know what it's like to be by myself in my own aura for more than just even a couple hours, like completely shedding all that, you know, and, and getting to know myself in a whole new way. And I don't think we give ourselves permission. And oftentimes there's different, you know, there's different things in our life, you know, to be able to prevent that. But if we ever get that opportunity, I say it's like such a great valuable experience experiment to do within ourselves and i love that time that i'm like oh it's just me you know (laughs) um, so yeah 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 i mean realizing i was an emotional being was a huge awakening for me and again like you like a huge relief you know um because when i was when i was younger you know the highs of those waves i believe that that was the ideal state of being I thought oh, that's what shit. I was striving towards. I thought that was what enlightenment was, you know, is it being, it's like, why do I keep leaving this state? Like why I'm feeling good now. Why can't I just be there and stay there and live there? Um, so like realizing I was emotional and realizing the ideal was my sensor was absolutely huge, you know? Um, and particularly again, like, you know, it was really able to provide nuance and tamed, I guess, some of the scorpionic energy, you know, my wanting to react and snap back and, you know, constantly, are you, you trigger me all right let's see you know yeah. so like <laughs> providing some balance in that regard mm-hmm. um and it's difficult it's a constant it's a constant process trying to navigate that emotional way particularly when like things are really hardened you know and you think that you need to respond now you know but the ramifications and the you know the continuous fall-on effects of not honoring that emotional wave can be absolutely drastic um and it can Mm-hmm. you know sp- splatter out into a number of arenas that aren't even related to the initial thing that you responded to when you're on an emotional wave so i mean emotionals need to know that they're emotional yeah, yeah. you can save yourself a lot of drama and suffering by having this knowledge so you know you asked yeah. the question before what tools have impacted us obviously i share what i shared from the psychological standpoint um, but, you know, human design and other more esoteric systems of self-knowledge really had an impact because they just highlight, you know, who you are and who you're meant to be. And from an emotional standpoint, I mean, I can't tell you. And again, you know, I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm definitely over seven years into my into my process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where things really land and become even more a part of your being. You know, like there's times where like I get a text and I write one one letter. Okay. Just, just, you <laughs> know, like I, I start, oh yeah, okay, no, and mm. let's go for a walk. Let's go make a sandwich or whatever. And then you come back and you go, whoa, thank God I did not send that email or that text with the energy, with the wording yeah. that I was initially planning on. And so like that time between realizing I shouldn't send the text is so, it's like, it's happening so much. It's just almost instant now versus, you know, four years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, it was like, like I sent a text often. Mm-hmm. I sent email or I said those words and you just you bring extra, extra bullshit that you don't need. Now I'm, I'm not sitting here saying, okay, you're not going to have any drama in your life. It's yeah. just 
do you need all the extra? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like for me, it would just keep like this, the guilt and shame cycle, you know, when I would say things or do things like in that mode. And then later on, I'd be like, Oh God, now I have to apologize. Now I have to like, you know, feel guilty about what I said, especially was like with my kids, you know, and somebody that I really cared about was like, Oh my gosh, I feel like such an ass, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's permission to be more discerning, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and even the other thing that I'd add, I think emotionals that don't know themselves can often confuse the height of their waves for intuition. You know, when you're overly magnetized towards something, it's like, this is the calling, this is the synchronicity, this is the, you know, so it's true. like, yeah, wait, 100% on that. And then this is also where we talk about self-knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, it isn't this just cerebral activity, you know, it's, it's a somatic process. And so the emotional center, the solar plexus rules the nervous system as well. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you have dealt, I mean, listen, we've all been traumatized. We've all dealt with stuff. We've all had all these wounding and triggers, but if you're not working on that subtle level of working to b- build greater capacity within your nervous system, um, being able to self-regulate, to have these tools and these skills, of course, you know, your waves are going to be extreme and you're going to be more likely to react from these waves. Mm-hmm. You know, from that, from like the height or the low of the wave. And so being able to hold space for the nuance and to allow yourself to go through these waves without behaving and acting from the different places on it when you haven't come to a, a more of a still point, you know, this is huge. This is why, you know, somatic work and nervous system work is, is becoming more and more popular. This is why Joel and I integrate that in our group coaching program. I've, I've been through somatic experiencing training, um, Peter Levine's work, you know, I was a body worker for many years as well. Um, so this is a, you know, a, a piece of the puzzle. My wife, uh, this is, that's her main work that she does. Uh, and so, you know, people can't lose sight of that, you know, like what's going on at such a subtle, subtle level. Cause our first language is sensation. You know, we're in the womb. We have this relationship with our, with our, with our, with our mother. And then before we even have language, it's all very, you know, body based and, and sensory based. And so we have to build a deeper connection and a relationship to, to that subtleties within us. Uh, and work on that level as well. So there's multiple angles to work on personal development work. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And I I think that human design and astrology, you know, I work with astrology as well too. And it's like, it gives us a lens to be able to then go and do that work. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I'm emotionally defined. Okay. And then it can bring up these questions within ourselves of like, yeah, do I react to things like quickly or do I wait so that I can actually show up in response? And like, can I give time you know, before responding, right? Or do I just like, you know, like, and then feel like, oh shit, right? So do I have to work on my nervous system? Do I have to, you know, um, go a little deeper here and dig into to my own process here rather than now use it as an excuse, right? I see that too, like people using like their design as an excuse for like their shadow, you know, aspect. Yeah, yeah, they use their astrology, there's their design, they use, you know, you know, their trauma, that's like, they use it to stay in a victim st- uh, yeah. state, as opposed to taking more self responsibility on that front. Yeah, yeah, I'm always telling my wife, I'm not excited to wash the dishes. I don't know why she keeps making me do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that goes over well. <laughs> uh, I know you're just kidding. But um, I, I, gonna... some, I just want to add something too, like, yeah, Education and information and knowledge is important. Understanding the like the framework of your design, the framework of your psyche, like the the understanding of your nervous system and the physiology. This stuff's important to have as a base because you know a lot of people out there, especially in like a lot of spiritual communities, like what's getting super super popular these days is plant medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm I'm not I'm not discounting that there aren't benefits and gifts you know in certain situations. We have people who don't really even know themselves on a certain level or don't understand how they're like their psyches are kind of structured and maybe elements of their human design. They're just going and having these really intense experiences. They don't know how to frame it. They don't know how to integrate it. And it's, it's something that's delicate. And so, you know, personal growth, isn't this like, you know, all of a sudden bang, like I have it figured out. It's a process. And Do we ever have it figured out? That's my question. Yeah, we don't. We don't. And yeah. Joel and I talk about this all the time. We don't. There's always new experiences, always yeah. new stages, always new phases in our life. There's always new relationships. There's always new dynamics. There's no, there's no end point of consciousness. Like there's no <laughs> end point of consciousness. It's like we're all on this journey. We're all in this process. And we honestly, we have to choose every single day to, to, to be more conscious. We can easily choose to regress and do nothing and slip into back into the abyss. 
you know, so there's, there's work involved, but this is part of the human dilemma. Absolutely. It's like, you know, I think one of the best requests or prayers, whatever we want to call it, is like, show me what I'm not seeing. Yeah. You know, show me today what I'm not seeing or what I have not seen yet, you know, um, or what yeah. else is possible, right? This is an access consciousness type of thing. It's like, what else is possible mm. that I've never even, you know, perhaps thought of before or, or yeah. have experienced before and just letting life answer that question rather than our mind trying to figure it out, you know? Yeah. And that's you, have to be, you have to really be willing to be super honest with yourself, you know? Like the real, reality is like, you have to take a look at like how your behaviors are, like, how are you speaking to people? Are you really doing the things you want to do? You know, and if not, like accept that. And then what do you do now? What do you do? What, what's the next step you need to take to move closer to that? And, you know, understanding how your psyche operates, understanding your human design, how to make decisions, how to operate in the world, all this stuff supports you to get closer to that. And, yeah. um, you know, and self -knowledge, all of it's self-knowledge at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and it's all an exercise in self-esteem building as well. You know, through this experimentation, through this process, you learn to really trust yourself as an authority in your life. And many people don't have that. And like, in my view, from a more esoteric perspective, like all these systems, like astrology and all in human design, like they're pointing to the, the inner oracle, the living oracle that exists within each of us. And for us to be able to really connect and exalt that as the ultimate guide in our lives. You're, you're your own shaman. You're your own authority. So choose to know yourself and get out of the compare and contrast game. And you don't need to outsource and externalize your path. You know, it's like you have a unique gift, a unique path, which you alone are meant to walk. And only you ultimately know the answers. Well said. Mm, yeah. was, what, what was the right. meme I shared uh, in our membership community? It was like, um your inner calling is is like if, if no one understands your your inner calling it's okay it wasn't a conference call yeah you know like <laughs> so you know it's true piggybacking on what he said like it's your life you know take responsibility for it write your own story be the creator be the hero be the hero yeah i mean it's interesting too just kind of on that note and uh but you know it, it all relates um i have goats um and i've mm. had them since june is when we got them i think the end of june and i tell you what it's been a ride having these goats and i knew the day that we got them i was i was nervous i found myself feeling really nervous about them and i had you know planned on getting them for a couple months like i knew i wanted them but i was like nervous and i was like sitting there and my daughter's like we need to go get them and pick them up and everything and i'm like i, I remember thinking to myself does it have to be today you know uh -huh. <laughs> and we did we went and got them but i it was like my own kind of just internal dialogue and, and just um, awareness around it and my experience as well too, you know, it's Capricorn, right? The goat. And mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit, like this brought in the lessons of Capricorn in my life. I tell wow. you what, like I had to climb that freaking mountain, like, and not give up because like the goats were, um, they came in, it's a long story, so I won't go into it all, but basically we had issues and I didn't realize how many issues like goats can have, like worms and parasites and all this stuff. And I live in South Carolina and this winter in a lot of places and including South Carolina, hot and humid and really wet, which is prime environment for these particular parasites and worms and whatnot. So they're just babies, right? I get these goats, they're just babies. And I'm finding out they're like having all this. So I'm like diving deep into like, Okay. And I, and I did a little research before, but not, you know, when you, when you're in it, it's different, right. Than trying to like research something beforehand. Right. And so, so yeah, it was like, I'm like, okay, so there's different routes. I could go with this. I could go the, you know, traditional route. Um, and I did have to the first time because they had like, it was one of those things where it was like, we have to get rid of, we have to clear this up now. But I was like, okay, from here on out, what do I want to do here? And, um, and I've worked with two different vets, um, through this process and actually wrote a post on it just because it was, it was, it's one of those things of like trusting yourself. Like you're saying, like, we have to trust ourselves and like, then like gather information, right. And be able to sift it through and go, okay, what's true for me here. And what experience do I want to have with this too? And that's a big question for me. I'm like, what experience do I want to have with this? Um, and so anyway, I decided to go full holistic route. Cause that's really where my values are anyways, with the goats. But there was so much to it that I didn't realize before. And I had a couple of vets, like I mentioned, that literally thought I was crazy. They're like, they're like, what is that on their coat? 
And I'm like, oh, it's chlorophyll because it would get on there because it, you know, <laughs> anyway, like all these different things. And so I, I figured out my own protocol with the help of this holistic group, uh, this holistic goat group that I'm in and whatnot. But I just had to stick with it. And I mean, there were days where I was literally in tears. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. But it was really that confidence and that competence that I was like, wait a second here. No, I can do this. It's like just sticking with it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and one foot after the other, going up that freaking mountain, you know, yeah. like, and staying committed to the process. And about <clears throat> two weeks ago, we had the couple of vets come over and do a fecal, kind of a follow-up fecal, because that's how you can tell completely clear it was the first time they've ever been complete, completely clear and it was with my own protocol where i could have gotten in fear listened to everyone else and there was part of me that i was like if i listen to them then i could put the responsibility on them and i don't yeah. have to own it right but i was like that's yeah. not what i want to do right so it's like being aware of like our choices we always have the choice to outsource responsibility that's right that's right um, very but it was yeah. It was so satisfying, though, to go, oh, my God, like we did this, you know. And so anyway, just wanted to yeah. share that. But I mean, yeah, it was it's like, no, like we know this. We just have to trust it and not give up too soon yeah. and know that we do have this within ourselves. But it is that confidence and competence that we have to cultivate within ourselves to go. No, I don't have to listen to all the noise out here. It's noise. Yeah. There's so much noise. So Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge exercise in self-esteem as well, going through that process. You know, something something similar but completely different context that I went through. Um, as you guys know, I'm Aussie. You know, I've lived in Australia most of my life, particularly during the height of the pandemic, you know, when things were very, very severe. Dealing with 23-hour curfews, you know, I received fines for not wearing a mask, for going to protests, wow. for simply sitting outside and because I was sitting, not exercising, and you were only allowed to exercise during the curfew, I received a fine for that um, as well. And so I'm receiving all these fines, you know, and it's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Like, why me? Like, if I ignore it, they're just going to compound. And it's like, if I go and seek, you know, advice from a lawyer, like, that's going to cost me money when this is completely unjust in the first place. And like, why do I even have to go to a lawyer to go and fight this? You know, like, the, the premise of it is complete bullshit. And, you know, I was forced to force into a position where it's like, I have, to de- I have to deal with this. This is reality that's taking place right now. It's obviously calling me to grow on some level. And so, you know, I decided to do a lot of self-study, self-research, consult independent people who were on the same page as me. And I decided to fight these fines and self-represent myself in court. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that came up with that, you know, there's a lot of like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to go through this grind? Like, what are the consequences of showing up to court and self-representing and failing? Like I can, you know, the mo- on the most extreme side, they were throwing people in prison and giving them $10,000, $20,000 fines for going to court and, and, and losing in that regard. But anyway, I, I went through the process, you know, I stood in front of judges. We, you know, we wrote, affid- I wrote affidavits. And I ended up beating the system three times, um, you know. That's so, crazy. again, like, the mountains that are put in front of us, they're not accidental, you know, but yes. we have to make the choice to be able to, to face them and to climb them and to do what's necessary. And, again, like, answer the call to, to, to heroism. And, like, heroism isn't necessarily slaying dragons or wielding swords and rescuing princesses. Like, we're all faced with different dilemmas within our lives on so many different contextual levels, depending on who we are. Um, and it's like the question always beckons, are you going to answer the call or not? The hero's journey, right? <laughs> it's yeah. like, and it's always coming home to ourselves at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that though. And I love how you said, you know, in the midst of the turmoil, the inner turmoil, of like, why me? Like, why is this happening? It's like, okay, obviously this is calling me to grow in some way. And yeah. I think when we can lean back on that and that is, you know, that, that knowing within us is like, this is in that trust, right? The trusting the process of, okay, this is in front of me for a purpose here. How do I want to show up for this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, am I capable enough? Am I competent enough? You know, can I learn what's necessary to learn? You know, it's, it's in the beginning, it's all a haze. You don't understand anything. You don't understand the first step to take to scale the mountain. But, you know, you have to stand at the base and address it. Okay, what's the next thing that needs to be done? 
And through that process, you trust yourself, you build self-efficacy, you build self-esteem, and you recognize your own capabilities and you reclaim your own power, you know, and that's just a microsm of what's possible in so many different, you know, eventualities in your life. It's like what you want on the deepest fundamental level is possible, but it requires work and responsibility on your behalf. And it requires you to face a task that's going to put you in a position to discover your own power. I love that. And, you know, as you were saying that too, you know, standing at that base, it's like mm -hmm. the, the sign before that is Sagittarius, right? And Sagittarius, it's like pointing the arrow right at the top of the mountain, right? So yeah. we can see it. So when we're standing at that base, it's like, it's like that knowing of like, I know what's up there. I do know it's there. It's there. I just have to now commit to the journey, you know, above that. And then what's after that is what Aquarius, right? So it's like, you know, and as you know, you're yeah. affiliated with Aquarius. It's like, that's like our heaven, right? Because in Greek, it means heaven, right? I mean, like Uranus, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, here's where we get to like our own heaven is at hand, right? When we get to the mountain, and we keep going along this evolutionary journey within ourselves. And, um, yeah. but it's knowing it's possible to, you know, and not just standing at the base and, you know, yeah, I mean, Joe, Joseph Campbell track. said, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And yeah. that's been recurrently true throughout my entire experience. So true. <laughs> yeah. And like, it doesn't end. You're, you're, always, you're always faced with a new mountain. You're always faced with a new, a new jump or a, a new leap, a new, you know, dive into unknown, into scarcity, into, into something else, into discomfort. Like, it doesn't matter where, where you get to. It's, or it's always going to present itself again. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and that, that cross that we both, you know, carry that uncertainty. It's like, mm -hmm. I think I shared this with you before. It's like people cross our paths when they need a sense of like empowered abundance, you know, right. And that's what that is. It's like, no, like you can do this, you know, yeah. and but it's like watching you, right. Watching me, like watching people who've gone through this so that they can go, oh shit, like maybe I can do that too, you know? Yeah. And that's powerful. So mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Um, well, I really loved our conversation today, um, gentlemen. And um, yeah, it's been great. And I just, uh, excuse me, I got like a little cough, dry throat, I guess. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, I've just, yeah, really enjoyed our conversation. I love meeting people who, you know, share similar values and have, you know, um, similar outlooks, but also different, you know, it's like iron sharpening iron, right? And mm -hmm. I love that. And so I just thank you for um, for coming on and sharing a little bit about yourselves and your journey and, you know, how you help others as well, too. And if people, I know you do, um, a course called rise above the herd. And mm -hmm. if there's, do you want to share like where people can find that? Cause you have a, uh, session coming up in October, right? Pretty yeah, soon. totally. So we're currently taking on board new students for round seven, which begins October 9th. I'm not sure when this podcast will be released. Um, but if you're listening before then, you can head to riseaboveTheHerd.co. And basically, Rise Above the Herd is an eight-week group coaching program, which is a synthesization of all the biggest lessons that Erasmus and I have learned and us trying to impart that knowledge and that wisdom and that inspiration for you to truly become the hero of your own journey, you know, and to exit the mundane and enter the, enter the exciting realm of, you know, navigating your own authentic path and reclaiming your power as an individual. And, you know, that's to us, that's, that's our boon and that's our gift to give. And you feel called, you can head to riseaboveTheHerd.co. Awesome. Well, yeah, this will be out next week, so it'll be out before, before it starts. But, uh, well, it's been a pleasure, um, guys, and I just appreciate you being here, and we'll have all that information in the show notes as well. Too. We, we appreciate you, Aaron. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Aaron. Yes, such a pleasure. Yes, yeah. thank you, guys. Take care. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes packed with wisdom and insights that will allow you to experience life in a more empowering way. Until then, stay inspired, stay curious, and always ask the question, what else is possible that I've never thought of before? Take care. <laughs>